says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was evidently set forth crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we by the Spirit live, then by the Spirit walk. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, and our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We continue on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast with Witnessing in the Spirit to Walking in the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. In the army, as the Lord led me through his word, he gave me opportunities to share Christ to the men in my barracks and to the officers involved in our training. And I, together with a godly chaplain, studied scripture weekly. An army major asked me one day, what does the Bible say about war? Well, the Lord brought to my mind James chapter 4, verse 1. It says that wars come from our desires, which are waging war in the soul with its resulting conflicts that come about. So I told him, until that war in the soul is dealt with by faith in Jesus Christ through his forgiveness of our sins, we will continue war in our souls against God himself. Until God takes that enmity away, man and men will continually be having war in their hearts toward God and towards one another. So my question is, have you trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ to take that enmity out of your heart? I urge you, please do so. Well, here's Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Thank you. Again, we continue our studies on the Spirit-filled life, and we've been dealing with the question of praying in the Spirit and of witnessing. And again, may I suggest to you that we are on God's team we are workers together with God in this question of getting the good news concerning Jesus Christ to our present generation. Sometimes I feel we have missed the boat when it comes down to this matter of bearing testimony to our neighbors and our friends and the present world concerning our Savior. And yet, the Lord knows our frailty, yours and mine. That's why the Spirit of God indwells us, not only to manifest the very character and heart of God, or to bear testimony through us to the world. And may I remind you again that as you read your Bible, you'll find that the spirit-filled life is very closely connected 
with testimony. Of course, if one's in love with the Lord, walking in fellowship with him, what else can you do but a bad testimony for him? This is why the Spirit of God makes it easy. And the moment I'm walking in my own self-will, going my own way, and you, you, you can't pump it up, you know, just your words just drop from your mouth. But when you're walking with God, fellowship with him in the word of God, the Spirit of God will use that word as a real sword in the hearts and lives of those to whom we witness. What a privilege. What an honor. In behalf of Christ, to beseech men to be reconciled to God. Now, we want to continue on this question of the spiritual life. And I believe in Galatians chapter 5, we have the great yearning of God for his people. You remember from, from verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5, running right on down through the end of the chapter, he contrasts the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. We were speaking of the fruit of the Spirit some classes back. Uh, but these Galatians, Christians, had experienced the power of the Spirit of God in their lives. One can't read the third chapter of Galatians without realizing this. Listen to what Paul says, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Of course, by the hearing of faith. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? Of course not. He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. Now what happened? Paul had gone down to this place called Galatia, and, and had a reeling gathering of souls, had a wonderful time. The Lord Jesus Christ was exalted, and they were so in love with the messenger God had sent to them, that Paul, who was nearly blind, they said they were they would have plucked out their own eyes and given them to him. Then along came somebody from Jerusalem who said, you shouldn't believe in this question of the grace of God and the dependent upon the Spirit of God. You ought to keep the law of Moses. And they lost their joy. They lost their testimony. And they began to fight among themselves. And he said, if you bite and devour one another, take heed lest you be consumed one of another. They began to trust the flesh instead of the spirit. They left the path of obedience and simple trust in the Lord, and now they're going to add to the work of Christ. And the result was they began to fight each other. And I'm saying this very sadly. We have so much of that today. It breaks a person's heart to see churches divided on personalities. I can see how a church can be divided on truth, but when it comes to the question of fighting among yourselves of personalities which hinders the Spirit of God, hinders sinners coming to the Savior, hinders believers being edified and built up, hinders Christians from being usable, when you get occupied with yourself and begin to criticize others and Christ is no longer the center of your life, the flesh takes over 
you're going to have trouble. And I say, as it was in the first century, it's so today. May God grant that in your local church, whichever church you go to, there'll be that oneness of spirit, oneness of heart, oneness in love, where Christ Jesus will be the object of your testimony and of your heart's devotion. It's what God wants. So when you come to Galatians chapter 5, he's talking to a people who were fighting among themselves. The flesh was predominant, and he said in verse 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If you have your Bibles open to Galatians chapter 5, well, you notice in verse 16, This I say then. Now remember, he's talking to these Christians who'd had a real experience with God. And now they're walking in the desires of the flesh. They're trying to make the flesh behave by their own works, by their own wills. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And he goes on to give us a list of what the flesh does. And then down to verse, down to verse uh, 24 and 25, it says, They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we by the Spirit live, then by the Spirit walk. Now, regulate your lives by the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Putting down the flesh does not cause you to walk in the Spirit. A man can uh, control his flesh. A man may live a very, very wonderful moral life and yet not be Spirit-controlled. There are many Christians today, and I'm not saying they're not Christians, who live possibly a very fine life, but they're not living a spiritual life. If by the Spirit you live, then by the Spirit walk. I repeat it, keeping down the desires of the flesh does not cause one to walk in the Spirit. But the book puts it round the other way. If we walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, the same principle you have in John 3, when John the Baptist, in speaking of the Savior, said, He must increase, and I must decrease. Notice which comes first. When Jesus Christ increases, then the other decreases. If we walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Like an oak tree. You know, the oak tree retains its leaves all through the winter. And then in the spring, when the sap begins to move up, the, as the life comes back into the tree, it pushes off the new life pushes off the old leaves. So it is with us. As we walk in the Spirit, our hearts are occupied with the, with the Son of God. As we love Him and fall in love with Him and walk pleasing to Him, then the flesh and its lust are pushed to one side. The old is pushed off. If by the Spirit you live, then by the Spirit walk. Now all believers live in the Spirit. Maybe I should say this. All believers are in the Spirit and live in the Spirit, but they don't all live by means of the Spirit. For example, in 1 John chapter 1, uh, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. 
All believers are in the light. That's where you live. But all believers do not walk in fellowship with the one who is light. And when we fail God, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. And he goes on to speak of the fact if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What I'm trying to get to you is this fact that Christianity is the end of all self-efforts. Christianity means the end of all self-effort. See, all your cults and false doctrines, they pamper the flesh. They're going to make the flesh behave. They're going to make the flesh moral and religious. Now, in Christianity, it's just the opposite. When the Spirit of God who indwells the believer takes over and we seek to regulate our lives by the Spirit of God, then we will walk in the Spirit and we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, if you uh, get down to this book of Galatians, it's an amazing book, because in this book, you remember, the Apostle Paul declares we are delivered from the world through the death of Christ in chapter 1, verse 4. And the death of Christ severs the relationship to sin. You see, death separates. When you say a person dies, what you mean is that the person has left his body, separation from the body. We call it death. When a person is separated from Christ, is not uh, joined to the Savior, we say he's dead in trespasses and sins. He has no spiritual life. Now, in the book of Galatians, Paul takes up this fact that the death of Christ, I'm talking about Christians now, when we accept the Savior, through the death of Christ, we have been delivered from this present evil world. Through the death of Christ, we have been delivered from sin in all its guilt and shame. As we yield ourselves to the Lord, then we are delivered from sin as a master in our lives. You find that in, Gal in Romans chapter 6. Then in chapter 1 of Galatians, we read the death of Christ severed the apostle Paul from his religion. So we have three things that the death of Christ did in the first chapter of Galatians. He delivered us from his present evil world, from our sin, from our religion. In chapter 2, the death of Christ severs the relationship to the flesh, to what I am, uh, who I am, for example, to self. Where Paul says, I was crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ liveth in me. The death of Christ severs the relationship to self as a ruling thing in your life. In chapter 3, the death of Christ severs the relationship to the curse of a broken law. In chapter 4, the death of Christ severs the relationship even to the law itself. In chapter 5, this passage we're dealing with, the death of Christ severs the relationship to the flesh with all its lust. And then when you come to chapter 6, with great joy, he says, God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified to me and I to the world. What I'm trying to say to you is this, that Christianity means the end of all self-effort. We ought to regulate our lives by the Spirit of God. And as we walk in the Spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Now, I said a moment ago, all believers have the Spirit. All believers live in the Spirit, but all believers do not walk in the Spirit. For example, Romans 8, 9 says, You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be the Spirit of Christ dwell in you. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And the Spirit lives in us. 
for the express purpose of magnifying the Savior, that we might walk by means of the Spirit. Now, the next verse tells me there's a warfare going on. The flesh desireth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary, the one to the other, so you can't do the thing that you would. And there's no reconciliation between the Spirit of God and the flesh. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with defections and lust. And this becomes a reality in your life as you walk in the Spirit. And God wants us to walk in the Spirit. When we seek to walk in the Spirit, we have immediate opposition from the flesh. Now, may I remind you again, this is by way of repetition, may I remind you again, it's the Father in opposition to the world. It's the Son of God in opposition to the devil. And it is the Spirit of God in opposition to the flesh. And this is what we're dealing with right here in this passage. We, the flesh is always with us as long as we live in this body. Even though one is saved, our body still has desires. When you and I, when you and I were saved, when we accepted the Savior, and we became partners with God, and our life was hid with Christ in God, we're still living in a body that has not changed, but the body can be controlled in its desires. You remember in Romans 8, 11, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also make alive your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. <coughs> in other words, the spirit of God is living in you and me for the purpose of revealing Christ to our generation. But how are you going to do that? Well, walk by means of the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And again I say we have been delivered from the flesh by the death of Christ and by our union with him. Uh, now in verses 19 to 21, and also in verse 26, we read in this chapter something about a warfare, and he tells us we've been delivered from these things. And 19 to 21, we have the works of the flesh. Now, this is not a complete list, by the way. For example, the works of the flesh are manifest, and they certainly are. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Nineteen of them. Only a, a little sample of what the flesh does, the extent to which the flesh will go. When you come down to verse 26, let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, turning each other up, envying one another. These things belong to the flesh. And the fact is that if you belong to Christ, you have already crucified the flesh with its lust, and he traces our spiritual life right back to the cross. Positionally, allow me to be a little doctrinal here, may I? Positionally, the old man, the I, the flesh, all that I had in Adam was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be rendered inactive. And this is, the, is basic for a consistent spiritual life. I'm going to read you something. I read a book here a while ago called Christ's Witch Doctor. It's the testimony of a YY witch doctor in, in Guyana. And it's a wonderful story. 
Christ would stock this. Sometimes if you want to get it, you can get it from the book room or some of these Christian supply centers, they have it. And allow me to quote to you his prayer. And I can't help but think this man must have been taught by the Spirit of God to pray such a prayer. Now listen to what he, now I'm quoting a YY witch doctor who had come to know the Savior. Here's the quotation of his prayer. Father in the sky, Father, I want to know you. So make yourself known to me forever. What do you think about that? Old Elkar wants you to come into the pit of his stomach, Father, and make his spirit strong. Here I am, Father. I'm a witch doctor. This is what I am. I'm a bad person, too, and I'm sad about those things. But this is the way I don't want it to be. So my old being, take it out, Father. My old flesh, take it out, Father. You can, because your son died for my badness, in order to take it away. Fix me to be another kind of a person. I want to be just like you. At the end of the quotation, then one by one, he named his sins in humble contrition, and then he prayed, quote, This is the way I am, Father. Fix me to be like Jesus. That's all I have to say at this time, Father. Now he saw that the missionaries were good, but it wasn't the missionaries that made them good. It was Jesus living in them. This is spiritual life. I like the, the frankness and the openness, and yet to me, uh, the insight of a man who was a witch doctor who had come to know the Savior, a babe in Christ, and asking God to take out from him the old being, that is what we call the old man, the flesh. And he said, you can do this because your son died for my badness in order to take it away. Fix me up, said he, to be another kind of a person. I want to be just like you. Now, this is the testimony of Elkar, the witch doctor. I couldn't help but give this to you because here is a babe in Christ with no background but idolatry and witchcraft. And yet he realized that in himself he could not live a Christian life, nor can you live a Christian life by yourself. That's why Paul says, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The flesh desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other. There must be a yieldedness on our part to him. Oh, listen, Christian friend, wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if you and I were to just get down to business with God and ask the Lord to take from us the things that would hinder the Spirit of God exalting Christ. May the very passion of your life be Jesus Christ. May you fall in love with him, and may that be your joy today. From where there's a soul that is lonely And weary from struggling with sin Almost overcome by its burden, a soul that for Christ I may win. With heart full of love will I seek him. 
Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.